Hi, and welcome to today's Drowning Pastor podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be looking at the following subject of doubt. Doubt in ministry and doubt as the spiritual leader of a church. We're going to cover questions such as, where does doubt come from? Why do we believe the lies connected to that doubt? And how do we move past doubt and serve freely in the kingdom of God? But before we get into those subjects, let's go to our advert for today. I am so excited to announce today that my book, The Drowning Pastor, is finally released on Amazon. It is available for purchase at the Amazon website. It's a a book that I'm very, very proud of that speaks into my past ministry, the lessons that I've learned, the mistakes that I have made. Um, It's a book that covers a whole variety of of subjects that deal with depression, um, just general conflicts in church. Uh, But most importantly, and the, the part that I'm really excited about the most is the lessons that God taught me during that process and the newfound relationship that I have with him that has seen my ministry go um, grow really in leaps and bounds. I'm excited by the book. It's called The Drowning Pastor. It's available uh, on Amazon uh, for Kindle as well. And uh, you can purchase the book through the website. Please don't forget to uh, um, get in touch with me and just give feedback, give a review and uh, support for the book if it's something that God has used to impact in your life as well. But I'm really, really excited by this book and looking forward to what God has in store uh, through it. So again, you can go to Amazon, purchase the book through there, and uh, I look forward to hearing your uh, and seeing your reviews and hearing from you uh, somewhere down the track. So, but until then, let's continue on with the podcast. So today's subject is on the the subject, the topic of doubt. Uh, I know in my own ministry, uh, there have been many times that I've doubted. Uh, I've doubted myself, I've doubted God, I've doubted people in the church, I've doubted all sorts of people. Uh, Doubt is something that many pastors wrestle with. Um, In fact, if you're not wrestling with doubt, um, then you're you're probably not human. (laughs) Um, I think it's fair to say, because doubt is something that we all wrestle with. But with doubt comes a whole variety of emotions, and one of them in particular is despair. I find interesting in in the Pilgrim Progress, uh, Pilgrim's Progress book by John Bunyan, he describes a particular castle called the the uh, the Doubt Castle, the Doubt Castle, and then the one that lives in it is called Giant Despair. Um, that pretty much expresses how I felt when it comes to doubt. And when it came to doubt, sorry, in my ministry, you know, I, I often felt in despair. You, when you are doubting what you are doing, doubting what God is doing, when you are doubting whether or not you want to be doing it, whether you want to continue in that particular ministry or whether you're trying to pursue something that, you know, seems beyond your capability, despair generally does follow that doubt. And when despair kicks in, that's when ministry becomes really, really hard. For me, that was very evident. In the years that I've been in ministry, I doubted mainly because I honestly didn't think that God could fulfill anything or do anything of worth through my ministry. And 
and I get how that feels because there would be many people who feel that same way. You know, you may go through a, a particular conflict at the moment and wrestling with, you know, different um, ideologies. You've got different people in your church that have different ideas on how they think the church should function and, and should go. And and it leaves you in a position where it's like, you know, these guys are offering suggestions, but I, I'm just not connected to it. So if I'm not connected to it, then maybe I'm not good enough or maybe, you know, I... I I shouldn't be the person that's leading or I shouldn't be doing this or I shouldn't be doing that. And, you know, another aspect to the despair is also frustration too. You know, when you're frustrated, there's an element of despair as well. And sometimes you can invest so much into a particular ministry or into a particular work or into a particular event and you get no, almost no support. And you just sit there and you think to yourself, why do I even bother? Why do I bother? Why do I continue with this? So I want to ask the question, where does doubt come from? And I believe that doubt itself is one of the greatest crushes of ministry. And in fact, it's one of the greatest crushes of life. That's what doubt is. James gives us a little bit of an idea of what or where doubt, or where doubt comes from. And he says in, in James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, he says, If anyone of you... Or if anyone, or if any of you, sorry, lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways." I find it really striking that James uses that word unstable. Because when you are in despair and when you are frustrated and when you are devastated or when you are just doubting God and he's or doubting yourself, one of the, the things that you, you feel is that sense of unsettledness. You're unsettled. You're, you're, you're doubting whether or not that you should be in the position that you're in. You're doubting whether or not God's in this. You're doubting whether or not this is actually working. All these things accumulate because of doubt. But I find interesting there, James, he says, if anyone lacks wisdom. And I think that's a striking statement because I think if any of us are doubting, it's because we lack wisdom. We lack the wisdom and the foresight to know that God has a greater plan and purpose. I don't think there's ever been a ministry where God has come to the end of it and thought, what have I done? You know, I made a huge mistake here. There's never been a time when God really has allowed that to happen. Uh, this morning, as I was doing my devotions in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you know, Paul talks about a particular thorn in his side that he had asked God time and time again, three times he had asked God to, to get rid of this thorn. And the Lord's response to him was so powerful. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. you. You may be weak, but this is the platform that I need to demonstrate my power. And And this is the biggest problem with doubt. You see, with doubt comes this whole idea that God is not able, God is not willing, God is not doing, God is not playing a part in this. All these things feed doubt. 
And it leads now to my, my second question that I want to ask is, um, where does all this doubt come from? Well, actually, I just asked that question. Let's go with the next question. Why do we believe the lies that are connected to the doubt? Interesting statement. In, in 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter writes this. He says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Now, he follows that with verse 8. Be sober and be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I would not be surprised, and I can say this of my own life and ministry, that the times that I've doubted myself or doubted God, if I trace that thought, that whole thought, it would find its base connected to a lie. The lie may be whatever it may be. You may have had your hand involved in a ministry and things aren't going great and wonderful. And of course, your mind starts playing tricks on you because that's the platform that the enemy needs. He makes his way in there. He deceives and he manipulates. And then he feeds you a lie. And the lie may be something along the lines of, you're not good enough to do this. This is never going to work. No matter, you need to push harder and you need to do more. You know, this is failing because of you. Have you ever ever thought those things even in yourself? I know I have many times. I have questioned myself. I have doubted. And I've come to realize that all that stuff, all that nonsense is lies. If there's one thing I've learned about the gospel is that I am absolutely, totally incapable of anything good. I can do elements of good, but I'm talking about life-changing, powerful good. The only one who can do that is Jesus Christ. So when it comes to the church and we are wrestling with this whole aspect of doubt, we have to recognize and, and sometimes it's good for us, even right now, to just pause and ask that question, where is this doubt coming from? Is it feeding from a lie? What is motivating this? The lie doesn't necessarily have to come from what you're thinking. It could come from other people. It could come from uh, you know, unexpected or, or, or sorry, uh, expectations that aren't really there. But they are there because we're placing them on ourselves. You know, one of the things with pastors is that we're always expected to succeed and do be to succeed and to do well. But I've seen in my own life that no matter how hard I tried to succeed and to do well, I, I never met the target. I never was able to achieve it. And of course, that leaves the door open for the enemy to come in. Because he is that roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I'm just a sitting target. And the way that he devours me is he feeds me the lies. Because the more of the lies that I believe, the more crushed I become. And then what happens is then you lose sense of purpose. 
So your doubt takes over, your mind is constantly racing and thinking through all these questions. Am I good enough? Is this all my fault? Could I have done more? Could I have done better? Could, you know, what what else could we have done that could have made this a lot better than what it, it turned out to be? I don't know what that it could be for you. But I know from my own ministry, there was many times when I tried to do something, tried to make something happen, and it just backfired. And you're left really in a position thinking, then I, I clearly am not the right person here. But that's a lie. Because the truth is, you're exactly where you are because that's where God placed you. He's not surprised that things aren't going great. In fact, he is hoping sometimes for those things to happen because that's the times when we actually learn to depend on him. So why do we believe the lies connected to the doubt? We believe them because they're convincing. They're convincing. Martin Luther made a statement once. He said, a lie is like a snowball. The further you roll, the bigger it becomes. The devil seeks only to detach you from your relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, that's that's the whole aim of the devil. If he can detach you from this relationship. Now, we belong to Christ. We're his for eternity. I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about fellowship relationship if he can detach you from that relationship you become basically open prey for his devouring and i can say again this with absolute confidence that it's true because it's very much what happened in my own life and ministry i had no relationship with god because i was too busy I, I didn't love the people I needed to the way that I needed to because I didn't love Jesus the way I needed to. I was trying to build a church that only Jesus could build. I was believing the lies and those lies were crushing me. They were crushing me internally. They were crushing me externally, including my relationships. My relationship with my wife and my children was greatly affected by these lies and I couldn't continue on with them there is a little lie that the devil threw at me but I tell you what I bought it hook line and sinker that little lie was I do not really need to have fellowship with Jesus Christ because I'm a Christian or more importantly I'm a pastor now none of us none of us would ever publicly make that statement. I never publicly made that statement. But that was very much my life. That was very much my life. I had lost my relationship with Christ because I was believing the lies. I didn't need him. I could do the work without him. And the reality of that, that that's the biggest load of rubbish that you could ever believe. And that was true of my life. Now I want to move on to the last question. That is, I think, the, the part that's going to give us some freedom here. And the question is this. How do we move past doubt and serve in freedom? Well, the way that we do that is we have to forego the lies. And the lies are very simple. That you can build this ministry without a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
that you can do what is needed without having to have an in-depth relationship with him. You know, we many of us can have that superficial relationship with him where it's, you know, it's it's rigid and it's structured and, you know, we give him a little bit of time because it's it's the right thing to do. But I'm talking about an intimate, personal relationship with him. One that requires time and one that requires effort on our part. Effort, and I mean by effort, what I mean by effort is a time for us to sit and listen to the voice of God speak to us through his word, through his Holy Spirit. And we have to slow down enough for him to be able to do that. You see, when we can push past the doubt and and forego those lies, we will then begin to learn what it means to serve in freedom. Jesus gives one of my a passage that really helped um, change the course of how I did ministry. In John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, he makes this statement. It is the most powerful statement, but take a listen to what he says. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are also clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, listen to this, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Brothers, sisters, each of you who serve in ministry at whatever capacity, my prayer is, I, my prayer is that you grasp what Jesus says right here in this passage. He, he revolutionized the way I did ministry. Because I thought because I was the branch that I had to be the one that bore the fruit. So I was striving in ministry. I was coming up with ideas. I was doing everything that I could, but it came at a cost. It came at the cost of my relationship with Jesus. And you know what happened? It just became fruitless. Every endeavor, every activity became fruitless. And I, that was where doubt kicked in. Because it was fruitless and it was powerless and things weren't happening the way that I would like them to happen, I began to doubt God. God, I'm doing what you want me to do, and yet nothing's showing for it. And then we become disgruntled. And then we become fed up with ministry. And then the easy option for us is to walk away. And the devil succeeds. In, in setting out to do what he wanted to do, and that was to detach you from your relationship with Jesus Christ. You know what? Jesus here in John 15, it's almost like he takes crayons and he sits down with his children and he draws this beautiful, colorful picture that we have no doubt what it is. It's very clear and it's very simple. And he does that for us in John 15. Because at the end of the day, If we do not abide in Christ, then we will not bear fruit. 
Let me repeat that again. If we do not abide in Christ, we will not bear fruit. All your effort is in vain. All your striving to succeed in ministry is in vain because you're doing it in your own strength. You become like the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter one, uh, chapter two, sorry. The church in Ephesus, you know that one that did everything right in God's eyes as far as they were concerned. They ticked all the boxes spiritually. They ticked everything where it needed to be. And they looked on the outside like a church that every church should be like. And Jesus himself says to them, look, I see what you do. I acknowledge your work. I see how hard you're working here. But what is his one condemnation of them? What is his one criticism? He says, you have left your first love. Brothers and sisters, this is the time where we need to re-evaluate how we do ministry. Because if we keep pushing to do ministry in our own strength and the way that we want to do it, then we're going to be greatly disappointed. And many of us will walk away from ministry. And many of us will walk away not knowing or understanding why we ended up the way that we did. The reason that we would walk away when things become too tough When we begin doubting God and doubting ministry, the reason we find ourselves in those positions is the same reason that I did. I left my first love. I left my first love. I had to learn how to abide in him. Abiding. And when I learned how to do that, all of a sudden, everything came together. The ministry began to grow. Lives began to be impacted because my life was being impacted. If anything, I cut back on what